Hey everyone, this is that guest host in Hutch, Jackson Swear, on that podcast in Hutch. I'm filling in for Jason again this week, and I'm here with Amanda Wilkie. We're going to be talking about her licensed and home childcare, and also a couple of other programs that she runs, Tinker Garden and Nature Play Hutch. Hi Amanda, you run a licensed in-home daycare. Can you tell me what all that entails? Um, yes, so as part of um, a licensed home daycare, I have to have a lot of professional development. So we do 16 clock hours a year of professional development. Um, I have to, I work with the food program. That's technically optional, but most daycare providers do. So I have to fill out lots of paperwork. We do menus every week. There's certain requirements for different types of food I have to serve. And I do get reimbursed um, for a certain amount per child per meal for the food I serve. Um, I also have um, an annual inspection. That's a surprise. The licensing surveyors from the state will come and inspect my daycare. It's probably 40, 50-page booklet of regulations that I have to abide by. I have to be CPR and first aid certified that I renew that every two years. And another optional program is DCF approval, which is a financial service for families that are low income. And that is probably most of what I do as far as regulations. And then there are just are optional things, like I have a preschool curriculum that I use with my daycare kids that's play-based. And I serve uh, mostly homemade food. I'm a vegetarian. I serve vegetarian food. A lot of the parents appreciate just the fact that I'm serving healthy food and can take up to 10 kids. And it That was going to be one of my questions yes. was, you know, how many kids do you have? What about ages are they? Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm licensed to take up to 10 kids. Um, right now, the youngest is my daughter, who is 20 months. If all the kids are 18 months and up, I can have up to seven kids between 18 months and four years, and then I can have another additional three kids that are five and up. So usually I don't have a full crew, and except in the summer when I have some school-age kids. But usually I have around seven kids every day. So seven kids every day, and it sounds like there are a lot of different programs and different aspects to the regulations that you have to abide by. What kind of impact does that have on how you create your program and the sorts of curriculum that you adopt and what you are able to have the kids do throughout the day? Um, it's been kind of a barrier in some instances just because of timing. Uh, in order to do my professional development hours, I'm either doing online classes or I have to find time on the evenings and weekends. A lot of uh, times since the whole COVID situation happened, we've been doing Zoom trainings and we'll sometimes do those in the evenings while I'm trying to feed my own kids or get them ready for bed and then I'm required to be on screen, on camera. And so that's a bit of a challenge. Um, recently, there was um, intensive background checks where you had to do fingerprinting. And so you had to find a place to get fingerprinted during the time when you were not you're not working, um, I work from seven a.m. to five p.m. every day, so there's not a whole lot of time to go get that done. And then, you know, I have to find a police department. I have yet to get a fingerprint that actually went through because my hands get clammy, and then the ink smears. And so, they gave up on me and they said, "Well, you've, you've tried several times." So, eventually, I'd like to find one that has a digital. Um, 
readout instead of a, an ink. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of a challenge to balance family life and my schedule with all of the different regulations. Understood. What made you decide to get into the childcare business? Um, well, I used to be an elementary teacher, so I had taught for about five years. And then when I became pregnant with my oldest child, I knew I wanted to stay home with him. And I've always enjoyed working with kids. My favorite age to work with is preschool age. So I always knew I wanted to start a home daycare. Um, we bought our house before, back when I was still teaching. And we bought our house specifically because it had a very large living room in the basement that I knew I could turn into a playroom for the kids. So when I was pregnant with my son, I put in my notice that I would just be finishing out the school year and he was due in March. So I was just going to be done whenever I had him. And he is seven now. So I have had my daycare for seven years and it's been very successful. I haven't had to advertise since 2016. It's all been word of mouth. Um, just having new clients come in. And yeah, I, I enjoy it a lot more than I enjoy teaching. It still has its days where it's challenging, but in general, it's really a fun and exciting thing to do. So do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your working career? Do you have any plans to transition out of this? Are you even thinking about that right now with the kids still young? Um, yes, I have thought about that. I have uh, one more kiddo you know, my youngest, she's 19 months, almost 20 months. And I would like to do something else once she's in school. Um, I'm, I've always been interested in organizing. I'd like to be a professional organizer. Uh, I would have to see in Hutchinson. I don't know if there's a market for that. There's one other organizer and I've reached out to her and she has not responded. So either she doesn't do it anymore or she just doesn't want to help me. I don't know, (laughs) but it's something that's kind of on the back burner to, maybe on a night or weekend here and there, look into trying to start that up so that by the time my daughter's in kindergarten that I could do that instead. Okay, cool. I'm curious about this other program that you run too called Tinker Garden and how that fits in with what you do uh, with your daycare as well. Are those connected to each other? Um, They're really not connected. The only connection is that they both um, involve children. Um, Tinker Garden is an outdoor learning program, and it's for children and their parents. So the age range for the kids is 18 months to 8 years, and it's specifically run for the kids to be learning, but also they don't know they're learning because they're playing. Um, I would be, as a leader... I am provided all the materials and all the curriculum, so I don't have to do any actual planning. I'm just um, implementing what the program already has. And this program was founded in, I think, about 2012. And so it's been around for a while. I applied to be a leader for Tinker Garden last December, and I was hired on um, and trained throughout the months of January and February and March. Um, I was trying to get classes started up for the spring, which would have started this coming weekend, but you have to meet a certain level of enrollees, and I did not meet the minimum of four enrollees per class, um, despite trying to advertise and offer lots of free, they call them free trial classes. I did some pop-up play dates, and um, I just didn't get enough enrollees 
to begin the classes. I'm going to continue advertising and try for the summer season. Um, One thing that's really been a barrier for some families is the cost of the classes. They're nine-week classes, so they'll be one a week for nine weeks. Since I have a full-time job during the week, I have offered my classes just on weekends. So I had um, offered Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. and Sunday afternoons at 4, and that's, again, what my summer classes are going to be. Um, I have been told by the CEO and founder of Tinker Garden because I sent an email just kind of expressing my concerns about the cost. And she said there are grants available for the summer sessions right now. Since they don't start until the end of June, this is the time, if anybody's interested, to apply for a grant. So they would just go to tinkergarden.com, and I can spell that for you. It's www.tinkergarten.com forward slash grant, G-R-A-N-T. And the grant application is not really based on income. You, it takes one to two minutes to fill out. So if anybody is interested, it could cover either all or half of the total price. And for the summer sessions, they are charging $219. And I told the CEO that I, for our area, I believe that is too much. And she said, you know, I understand at some point, they're going to try and work on doing a sliding scale. So based on the income in the area, um, it would be maybe less. But for now, that's the nationwide price. And so in some bigger cities, people say that that's a good price. But in our city, that's it's hard for people to afford. Well, that's a, that's a cool new thing that you're trying to bring to our community. So thank you for sharing that. And you a little bit before we started recording, we were talking about a free thing that you've been working on that's similar to that called Nature Play Hutch. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you've been doing with that? Yes, I started Nature Play Hutch last November when I was just thinking about how am I going to get my own kids outside more on the weekends? You know, they just want to be in the house. And um, I know for some families, especially the kids are like addicted to screens. We try really hard in my family not to watch too much TV and do too much video games, but it's still hard to get just my two kids outside on their own. It would be more fun with other kids. So I decided, and this was before I even applied to Tinker Garden, I decided um, maybe I could look into doing some outdoor playgroups or hikes with um, my kids and then with local families. And I looked into a program that used to be here in town called Hike It Baby. Um, and their website was not updated, and you would have had to pay $50 to become a leader or an ambassador. And I thought, well, I could just do this myself and not be affiliated with them. And so I just emailed all of my former and current daycare families, and I said, this is my idea. I'd like to host um, a playgroup once a month at my house. I have a nature playground in my backyard. So it's mostly just stumps and tires, but it's it's fun for the kids to climb on. It's like an obstacle course. And we have a garden. We have a sandbox. Um, and then I just also wanted to get the kids out to do some hikes. And when I say hikes, it's more of a stroll because if we have little ones that are one or two-year-old, we go at their pace and we walk slow and just stop to enjoy what they enjoy, just looking at rocks and sticks and um I got a pretty good response from the families. I had about 
eight families out of like the 50 that I contacted say, that sounds fun, include us on the email list. So when I created the club, I was on a Facebook fast. So it wasn't part of a Facebook group to begin with. It is now, but I haven't done a whole lot with it. I've mostly used just my um, core group reaching out through email. And eventually I want to expand it to include more people that are interested. Um, We were doing hikes on the first Saturday of every month at 3.30. We mostly were hiking the Dillon Nature Center last month, or this current month actually, we went to the Sand Hills and that was a pretty good turnout. And um, for playgroup, it was the third Sunday of every month in my backyard, again at 3.30. So I was trying to have that a consistent schedule and then I would send out email reminders a day or two before each event um, just to invite the families and remind them of what we were going to be doing. Okay, cool. So if people are interested in that, how would they find out more? Is there a, you said, mentioned there's a Facebook group now? Yeah, there's a Facebook group now. It's called Nature Play Hutch. And um, I, when I was recently um, trying to promote Tinker Garden, I was kind of using Nature Play Hutch as an avenue to promote it. So I did create some events. So our last hike, um, we did a bear hunt and we did a nature scavenger hunt. And um, then I referred the people that had come or not come, but if they were in part of that event, I referred them to the Facebook group. So now that group will also be where I would create future events um, and then kind of share that with the community. I always love hearing about new and different things that people are doing around Hutch. It seems that there is a boundless creativity of people trying to create new opportunities. I want to go back for a moment to our conversation about childcare, but perhaps talk about it a little more generally. So one of the things that you mentioned was that you haven't had to do any advertising for your daycare. And it seems to me that there's an awful lot of demand for spots and maybe not enough spots. Is that your sense as well? And do you have any, you know, what's your take on the overall state of the childcare ecosystem? Oh, yes, absolutely. There are, especially with infant spots. So the infant age range is anything below 18 months. It is very difficult to find infant care in Hutchinson. I don't know if that's a statewide or nationwide problem, but it's definitely a problem in Hutchinson. At last, I heard only about 25% of the daycares in the area will even accept infants. So not only is there not a lot of daycares who will accept infants, but then just if they happen to have a spot open, that's an even smaller percentage. A lot of times people have to get on the waiting list right as soon as they get pregnant because the waiting list for these um, spots are, you know, nine months long. And and um, I get calls almost every day from families looking for childcare, and usually it's for an infant. So I think you mentioned, is this right, that you only take kids who are over 18 months. Is that always true, or is that just who you have right now? And either way, why? Um, It has not always been true. So when I first started my daycare, I had wanted to run it as a preschool. But while my son was still, like, he was four or five months old when I officially started the daycare, um, I just 
was hearing a lot of people needing care for younger, obviously younger than preschool age. Um, and so with my first group of kids, um, I had a 14 month old and then I had my son who was five months and then I had some two year olds. Um, so I have always kind of taken the kids based on what I feel comfortable with, not what the state allows. So for the state, I could technically have three newborns and three 18 month olds if I wanted to. I would not do that because I don't feel comfortable that I could provide quality care with those ages and that many little ones. Um, So what I've usually done is if I have my own child who's under 18 months, I might take another child who's maybe between 12 months and 18 months. But other than that, I'm usually mostly getting toddlers that are 18 months and up. And that's just my own comfort level. Um, And we've recently since my daughter turned 18 months, then I can have seven instead of six um, under age five. So then basically the infant would take up two spots. And so at this point moving forward, I'm probably not going to be taking any more infants because like I said, I've reached my um, threshold of being able to take seven kids now instead of six under the age of five. So I would have to lose two kids to replace um, those two kids with one infant. So I imagine that means you you basically have to charge twice as much for the infants. And is that even is that even possible? Is that part of the reason why people don't take the infants? Because it's just doesn't make economic sense. Right. And nobody wants to charge twice as much. So, for instance, you know, right now I'm I'm raising my rates for the toddler age from $120 a week to $130 a week starting in June. And I've let all my current families know that it's it's been three years since I raised my rates. You know, everything is costing more inflation, and they all were understanding of my reasons. Um, but uh, I've heard people charging for infants. I've heard people charging anywhere between $150 a week to almost $200 a week. And that's in Hutchinson. If you're looking at Wichita or Kansas City, over 200, maybe even 250 dollars a week for infants. Wow, that can get pretty expensive pretty fast for sure. Yes. One of the other age-related challenges that I've I've heard some talk about is the uh, implementation of universal pre-K, uh, free pre-K through public school. Um, has that had any impact on on your daycare and do you see that having an impact on the system overall um it did at the beginning when i was first starting out um i would watch kids up until they turned three and then a lot of times the parents would pull them out and put them in a preschool or in there were four a pre-k and it kind of um it kind of frustrated me because i do uh, a preschool curriculum and To be honest, I'm more about play-based learning. I think that's the way that kids learn best. So I do limit that curriculum to only about 30 minutes a day, and the rest of the time is free play, and I believe that that's best for kids. Um, But, you know, it's the parents' decision on what they think is best for their kids, and if they choose to put them in a preschool or a pre-K curriculum or a pre-K center, that's their decision. Okay, fair enough. What other what other challenges do you see facing childcare right now? Um, well, one thing that actually 
is finally happening is the government is recognizing childcare providers as essential workers. So we've actually been given a lot of grant opportunities in the past several years after COVID. Um, before COVID, I only received maybe two or three grants. Those first five years I was running a daycare and they were each for maybe a hundred or $200 uh, that I applied for specifically to um, start a garden because um, I enjoy having the kids help in the garden and they're more likely to eat the food if they helped grow it. Uh, but since COVID, I have received thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in grants, which is wonderful, but it's a lot of work because you usually have to report or keep track of all your expenses. Um, one grant that I, that I have agreed to do was a farm to table grant. So it is wonderful because they gave me, um, they gave me a professional KitchenAid stand mixer and the grant I picked was for baking. So we get to have home-baked goods with all of the tools they gave me pans they gave me muffin tins and things measuring cups but i'm supposed to help the kit have the kids help me so if you've ever tried to make bread with seven children helping you that are ages one to four and try not to let them eat the raw dough or you know stick their fingers in it that's been a challenge um, today we made strawberry muffins. How did the strawberry muffins come out? The kids mostly didn't want to eat them <laughs> because um, I didn't put any sugar in the muffins. I only used maple syrup. So. Oh, oh, dang. Those healthy, healthy muffins. Yep, they were whole wheat muffins, but they mostly wanted to eat the strawberries, so I had to give them some strawberries while we were putting them in the batter. Yeah, that that sounds like most kids I know. Thinking about not so much the challenges, but what are some of the opportunities that you see coming available? You mentioned some grants being available now. Is there anything else that you see sort of positive on the horizon for childcare? Um, I, um, I do think, well, I would, I would consider the grants to be positive. It's just, you know, the challenge of balancing all of the paperwork and things. Um, I think that it's, um, it's been good in recent years to have a collaboration with other childcare providers. So right now it's mostly private Facebook groups. Um, but we've been able to, when we have a challenge, we've been able to talk it out with our, um, you know, basically our friends. I have two friends that I met before I started a daycare that are now both running daycares and, it's just somebody to bounce ideas off of or somebody to vent to. And you kind of have this um, kind of a team. It can be a very lonely day-to-day uh, -day environment because you're just by yourself in your home, surrounded by children. There's no other adults. So it's good to have somebody to talk to that knows where you're coming from and um, can just kind of collaborate with. All right. So we've talked about your experience as a daycare provider, some of the cool things that you're trying to bring to the community, some of the challenges in childcare now. And I'm just curious as we maybe come to a little bit of a close in our conversation, if you could wave a magic wand to fix 
the issues in childcare. And for a moment, let's imagine that there's no politics and you have infinite money. What would you do to try to make our system work the best possible for kids? I would extend maternity leave for uh, mothers like they do in Europe. And I really think that they should have a year off. Wow. Okay. So that's, that isn't an answer that I thought you would give. I thought you would give something related to child care regulations or something like that. So in your mind, giving, um, you know, moms more time with their kids when they're younger would help to address a lot of the challenge that would address a lot of the challenges with space for infants as well. Right. Exactly. Um, my husband works for Pfizer and since Pfizer is run throughout the world, he got 12 weeks paternity leave paid and he was able to stay home and help me with my daughter. And whereas in his other jobs, like with my son, he had a week or two and I don't even think it was paid. And as a, as a teacher, I had no maternity leave. Technically, I took all my sick leave. And then I just quit early. So then the rest of the, the income that I would have had had to be spread out farther um, for the rest of that school year. And um, I just think that little babies need to be home with their mommies. And it's very challenging, especially like with breastfeeding, because if you're having to we uh, basically you're going to have to start pumping and your kid's going to have to start a bottle at six weeks you don't have enough time to establish a supply and um, it's very hard when I hear a lot of my friends struggled with um, nursing because they just had this timeline that was too fast okay well thank you for coming in today and chatting with me about what you do and about child care. I think, you know, child care is a, obviously a really important thing for our community and for everybody. You know, we have to take care of young kids and it's a, as you mentioned, it's an essential function. And I think there are a lot of challenges surrounding child care currently, but there are also some exciting and cool things happening as well, which is some of what we talked about today. And so I, I'm hopeful that going forward, we can continue to find ways to provide opportunities for kids to, to learn and to thrive in great, safe environments. And um, I appreciate what you do with, in our community to try to bring some of that uh, to us. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank a few of the people who have helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art, and Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast and Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week.
Assault City Sound Production.